Hey, real quick, a couple things have come up, and my flight home from Detroit doesn't leave for another few hours, so I thought I'd pop out a quick episode with some news and a little show update. And once again, I'm recording here in my hotel, which is right next to the airport, so if you hear airplanes flying over, my apologies. Um, and I'm here at the lovely Marriott Detroit Airport, and they've been great. And remember, if you want to help me help support the show, uh, go to rogueretirementlounge.com slash blog slash points. And if you sign up for the Marriott Bonvoy Rewards Visa card, you can get up to 100,000 Marriott points and I'll get bonus points too. So uh, that would be awesome. But let's get started. So first thing, get this. In case you haven't heard, according to the New York Times, yesterday, Saturday, July 10th, G20 members agreed to move ahead with what would be the most significant overhaul of the international tax system in decades, a proposal that would crack down on tax havens and impose new levies on large multinational companies. If they enact this plan, it could literally reshape the global economy, altering where corporations choose to operate, who exactly gets to tax them, and the incentives that nations can offer to lure investment. They've got a lot of details left to work out before the October deadline to finalize the agreement. And apparently uh, resistance is mounting from businesses, which is predictable, because under this plan, well, companies are going to see higher tax bills. Um, also, small, low-tax countries like Ireland are not going to be happy about this proposal because it could turn their economic models basically upside down. Now, I don't know if you remember, but after the GFC, Ireland started courting big companies with low corporate tax rates, and they drew some heavy hitters like Pfizer, Boston Scientific, Johnson & Johnson, Facebook, Google, Twitter, Apple, and I believe Intel. Yeah, Intel. Um, so anyway, this ruling could really fuck my friends in Ireland. Um, so basically, this proposal is for a minimum global tax of at least 15% that each country would adopt, plus new rules that would require large global businesses, including tech giants like Amazon and Facebook, to pay taxes in countries where their goods and services are sold, even if they have no physical presence there. So let the lobbying begin! The G20 finance ministers issued a joint statement saying, quote, After many years of discussions and building on the progress made last year, we have achieved a historic agreement on a more stable and fairer international tax architecture. Um, now, here's a bit more taken uh, directly from the New York Times. The approach marks a reversal of years of economic policies that embraced low taxes as a way for countries to attract investment and fuel growth. Instead, countries are coalescing around the view that they must fund infrastructure, public goods, and prepare for future pandemics with more fiscal firepower at their disposal, prompting a global hunt for revenue. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't follow Alex Jones, and I believe that we did actually land on the moon. But the words, quote, prepare for future pandemics sent chills up my spine when I read this article. The last year and a half, we've witnessed a global concerted exercise in compliance testing, and we, the citizens of the world, passed with flying colors. Here in the States, we were convinced, contrary to, quote, the science, 
that Home Depot employees are essential workers, but school teachers aren't. We let hundreds of thousands of businesses get eviscerated by random policy action coming from federal, state, and local governments. Basically, we complied, we rolled over and took it in the ass, and now the G20 is coming in to take the next steps, which is getting large, mainly tech companies to start prepaying for the fallout from future pandemics, pandemics that the G20 probably already has on its calendar. Um, now, here's uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's statement, quote, I see this as being something that's good for all of us because, as everyone knows, for decades now, the world community, including the United States, we've been participating in this self-defeating international tax competition. I'm really hopeful that with the growing consensus that we're on a path to a tax regime that will be fair for all of our citizens. And last week, there was a joint statement signed by 130 countries expressing support for a similar conceptual framework that they've been negotiating at the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development for years now. The OECD estimates that their proposal would raise an, an additional $150 billion of global tax revenue per year and move taxing rights of over $100 billion in profits to different countries. But it's not or at least it doesn't look like it's going to be a slam dunk. Um, Low-tax jurisdictions like Ireland, Hungary, and Estonia have refused to sign on to the pact, potentially hobbling the type of overhaul that Yellen and her pals are hoping for. Supposedly, Hungary and Estonia have raised concerns that joining the agreement might actually violate EU law, and Ireland, which currently has a tax rate of 12.5%, is afraid that this proposed global tax scheme is going to upend its economic model siphoning away the foreign investment that has powered its economic recovery for the last decade or so. Anyway, what does this have to do with retirement? Well, maybe nothing, but this global collusion on tax policy might be a harbinger of other world collective decisions that will affect you personally. Either way, I think it's definitely worth following. And let's be honest, Janet Yellen is a fucking creep. So pretty much everything she does is suspicious. Anyway, I will continue to keep you posted on this. So um, next up, I wanted to read you something that I recently found on one of the retirement forums that I hang out on. Uh, if you haven't heard of the early retirement site, it's early-retirement.org. And it's a pretty good place to lurk and see how other people uh, manage their retirement planning. And this is like, a, it's a DIY site, so it's, it's pretty interesting. But this post that I'm about to read caught my eye. And the headline is, Personal Finance Ignorance Among the Otherwise Intelligent. The post reads, Last night we had dinner with a friend whose father was a Goldman Sachs bond trader in Manhattan for 32 years. She grew up with limousines and even helicopters on demand. I know that her privileged upbringing causes less sympathy, but she is a hardworking attorney and a fully responsible person whom we love as an amazingly good friend. We always assumed our friend would inherit many millions someday, and she might have assumed that too. It turns out, she learned last week, that her father was essentially wiped out through a margin call last year when the COVID recession struck. Beyond that, she doesn't know how he was invested. He's developed depression and other maladies, and his remaining assets are being spent down so that he can go on to Medicaid. We were shocked and saddened by her story. Okay, now quick aside here. Just so you know, 
In order to qualify for Medicaid, your net worth has to drop to below $2,000. That's right, $2,000. So this fucker had helicopters and limos, and now he's down to two grand. How's that for mismanaging your fortune? So the post goes on. This was in the same week that my 81-year-old father, thankfully, reached out to me before liquidating his brokerage account with Banker's Life to buy some exotic whole-life policy that his Banker's Life agent was trying to pimp him. In that process, I discovered this agent has my dad 100% invested in a single high-fee growth tech stock mutual fund. Apparently, this agent works with the modest income retirement community my father lives in. As gently as I could, I explained the risks of this portfolio, and he agreed to ask his agent if Banker's Life carries target date or retirement income funds. Sickening. The post goes on. My dad is an engineer who worked his entire life and continues part-time employment at 81. He's good with numbers, but could never be bothered to read a basic book on personal finance. He does seem to have avoided debt, thankfully, and he owns his little condo outright. He once had an IRA, which he liquidated 30 years ago to buy a cabin, which is now long gone. Sadly, no matter how I slice the numbers he's finally provided me, he's looking at a 50% lifestyle reduction once he finally stops working. I'm just slack-jawed by these two examples of financial irresponsibility. Serenity prayer time, I guess. Okay, so why am I sharing this? Well, basically to show that anyone can end up in trouble and even smart people can get roped into buying dumb products like whole life insurance policies and high-fee, high-risk mutual funds. Hopefully, if you or your parents or anyone in your family are pitched some kind of interesting investment opportunity, you'll get a second or third opinion before pulling the trigger. Next up, is crypto part of your retirement plan yet? Did you take my advice and subscribe to Kevin Rose's Modern Finance Podcast? Well, I've talked a bit about crypto on this show. I own a little bit of Bitcoin, a bit of Ether, and some other assorted altcoins. Oh, and I just I just bought my first NFT a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, my problem is I know just enough about this space to know that I really don't know shit about it, and I need to figure this stuff out. So as part of my ongoing mission to serve you, I'm starting Anthony Pompliano's Fundamentals of Bitcoin and Crypto course next week. If you're not familiar with Pompliano, he's got a show called The Pomp Podcast, and it's pretty good. Truth be told, you know, I like the modern finance podcast better, but in my opinion, if you want to stay up to date in the crypto world, you need to listen to both of those podcasts. Anyway, Pompliano has this class, and you have to apply to get in, um, and I think the application process, honestly, is more of a formality than anything, but I applied, and I was accepted, and I just threw him a thousand bucks to join the class. Now, you might be saying to yourself, why would he pay a grand to learn what you could probably easily pick up on YouTube? Well, I've found that if you if you pay for something, if you have skin in the game, and most important, maybe if it's scheduled, you take it more seriously and you get more out of it. So pay for it, I did. I think it's about six classes over two weeks, and I'm going to share some of the stuff I learned in the classes uh, here on the show. I'm not going to plagiarize the class and give it away here by any means, but I do plan on sharing some of the concepts that I learned. So for those of you who are like me, middle-aged folks who technology is rapidly passing by, be sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast um, if ongoing crypto education sounds like something you could use. And wish me luck in the class. Um, also, it's funny, this uh, class 
culminates with a virtual crypto job fair. So who knows? Maybe I'll land myself a job at a blockchain company. Okay, so that's uh, the end of this quick update for you. Um, I realize that my schedule of releasing shows has been inconsistent lately, but I've been, since I've been out on the road so much, uh, things have been a bit out of sorts for me. So I just thank you for your patience. Okay, I will catch you next time. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com.